This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Ithaca, New York boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation among 150 waterfalls. Plan your trip today with help from visitithaca.com. Hey, this is Hannah Forden. I'm the program manager here at Heritage Radio Network. This year, we're celebrating HRN's 10th anniversary, and I want to thank all of our listeners and members for being a part of an incredible year of food radio. We never would have made it this far without all of you. So HRN is now in its summer fun drive, and this is when we turn to you and ask that you make a donation to help ensure a bright future for food radio. Whether you listen to one show or 20, there's a reason why you keep tuning in week after week. All of our content is powered by a small nonprofit, and we rely on your generosity to keep going. Help us keep broadcasting the most thought-provoking, entertaining, and educational conversations happening in the world of food and beverage. So become a member today. To celebrate our 10th anniversary, we have some brand new member gifts available online, so I encourage you to snag your new favorite pizza-themed t-shirt or enamel pin today and show the world how much you love HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate so you can snag your 10th anniversary member swag. And thank you. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 150 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today on Tuesday, July 9th, I am a thousand percent confident that every single one of them is listening to the live broadcast of Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. And today... I'm very happy to have Kara Landau here with us. She is the founder of a company called Uplift Food. And I'm very happy to have her here because I have to say, I think it's taken about a year, more than a year, for us to finally book a time when she can come on the show. So this is after many, many months of emailing and calls and scheduling. She's here in the studio. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm glad to, to finally have you here. We um, met. A year ago, I think it was last year at the FoodX Demo Day, correct? Yeah, I was, I, we were at the booth and I think you might have heard mm-hmm. me pitch mm-hmm. and uh, then our lives intertwined a little bit more as the yes. year went on. Yes, absolutely. So before we get started, we will do like we always do and we will talk about apps, apps we love, new ones we've discovered, maybe old favorites that have been living on the home screen of our smartphones for 10 years, because it's been 10 years plus. The only rule for our entrepreneurial set is that you're not allowed to talk about an app that you have invented or invest in or own. No double dipping. That's totally fine. Okay. Do you have an app that you really like right now, Kara? It's a little bit random, but I guess the app that's open almost daily on yeah, pretty much daily on my phone would be the ClassPass app, oh, which is a fitness app. Y- yes. Yeah. So you're, you're a sports person. I enjoy going to different group exercise classes. It's mm-hmm. like my time out where I, I, I see it almost like giving myself a massage. Like I, I see it as that when you're working so much that it's, it's valuable for your mental well-being <laughs> to get out there. So you use ClassPass daily. Does that mean you work out daily? 
I don't work out daily every week. Uh, I try to work out about five times a week. Very good. Okay. Yeah. And are you a longtime ClassPass member? Because I know that ClassPass has gone through many permutations yes. of what the pass entails. That's it used so to be true. an amazing, <laughs> can't believe it's true, it costs like $9 and you get to go to a thousand classes a month and yeah. now it's different. Th- that's right. So I was definitely there from their early days. Uh, I think I... I got onto it about eight years ago now, and I was there when it was $99 for unlimited classes in New York City, which is unheard of. Is that uh, $99 a month? $99 a month. <gasps> yeah. Amazing. I know. And so Especially now, when you think of something like SoulCycle correct. is $33 a class? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I find that a lot of the studios that cost around $30 to $40, uh, you could get on there for significantly better prices so uh, it definitely makes you more you know it encourages you to go and work out if you're going to do things that you enjoy so yes I was there from the beginning and then I moved on to like one of their they had a package that wasn't even advertised on Mm -hmm. their screen but I reached out to them and said hey look I've been loyal customer that's right grandfather man (laughs) and so they did that they said yeah we've actually got this other uh this other membership that we don't actually advertise but we'll you know we'll we'll test it out on a few people (laughs) and so I used that for a while uh and I always I guess I just found it really valuable because I'm Australian as my accent is alluding to Uh, and so I could use it when I was traveling back to Australia as well as when I'm here in America I just loved the versatility so class pass still hanging on still a member <laughs> still what's a your member. favorite class right now oh I feel like I'm gonna I, I don't want to upset any of any no, no that's uh, okay I'm just asking for the one favorite yeah. uh I think because I, I from my understanding people who are class passers go through cycles of <laughs> now I'm really into <laughs> I've always been I love variety that's my personality so I I guess at the moment I love there's a studio called BFX and there's some really good instructors there and I find that they push you to do sort of high intensity interval training and and different sorts of strength and and circuit style programs so I quite enjoy that one but I am a Pilates and bar girl as well so okay and the uh We're going to use the ClassPass fitness segue later to talk about uplift food because now things are starting to make a little bit more sense. On the control panel in the back, and actually I can see you through the window today. You're not in that little slice of can't see you. Figured I'd change it up. Do you have an app that you like right now, Matt? I just saw one, and I'm, I'm cheating because I actually use this normally as a website, but I do have the app on my phone. It's for listening to music. It is called radio with five o's have you ever radio heard? with five o's have you ever used it no it is uh it's a re- it's a it's a music time machine you put in a country you put in a decade from the 20th century up until now and uh it starts spitting out music For so free? if you say yeah yeah so if you say streaming angola 1940s did you put it, that in it actually? just goes what? What was the last combination that you put in? <laughs> I'm a sucker for um, like North. Uh, what, 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 what we say? Northeast African around the 70s. Things start to get pretty wonky once the synthesizer hits the third world. <laughs> Northeast African music from the 70s. So 50s to 70s. 50s is like the to sweet 70s. Spot. I would love. So to this hear is that. what you've plugged into radio i mean i do all sorts of sh- stuff uh you know there's 
uh, South America is, is a hot spot. Brazil, Brazil in the 50s and 60s and 70s is also quite good. In general, most music gets pretty bad once synthesizers become affordable. Don't and I say DJs that as a person that. who loves, you know, some good dance really? music. And what, you're, you're not going to talk bad about our theme song, are you? No, I would never. Okay. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> Everybody loves that theme song. I'm constantly plugging in Bushwick 2010s on radio. <laughs> I love the five O's. Yeah, you got to get that right or else I think you just end up in some weird corner of the internet. <laughs> That is fantastic. Two good ones, Class Pass and Radio. Looks like, just in the nick of time for the app segment, we have a voice that you've heard on the show before, though usually he's on the telephone because he's not often in our time zone. We have Michael Wolf, who is the publisher of The Spoon, who is joining us from Seattle via JFK. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Hi. This is great. Hey, how are you? Yeah. Well, thank you. It's weird walking in late. <laughs> it's okay. Do you feel like school? Yeah, I feel like school. This happened a lot in school. Did so, it? Yeah. But you yeah. made it anyway. I graduated. You did? Hopefully I'll graduate tonight. <laughs> I'm the one who would get kicked out early, not, be, not come in late. <laughs> this is a great studio. It's, it's so terrible different. for me if I say sometimes I just didn't show up. Yeah. And just avoided the whole late early thing altogether. Yeah, yeah. Now I have kids too, so I'm, I'm on that side. Do you of the let equation. them go late to school? Uh, well, I have one who's very studious, one who isn't as studious. So, are they listening to the show? They're not listening to the okay. show, so we could talk about them. All right, that's a different show, though. <laughs> Although I have been wanting to do since January of 2015, when Tech Bites launched, I've been wanting to do a show with kids and food tech, but. It's hard finding kids to talk about food tech. So if you're ever back in town with your kids and they have some food tech stories, then maybe we can do a, a kid show. That's a great idea. Not a, a show for kids, but a show for adults about kids. That'd be good. Okay. So we were just talking about apps. Do you have a favorite app that you like right now? Although rules are you cannot talk about an app if you've invented it or invested in it or own it. Oh, wow. Oh, But this, what you use most every day or what you're particularly enamored with on your phone? Um, right now, uh, I'm, I'm mainly uh, using a lot of uh, uh, Airtable. So that's an organization tool. That's super boring. That's so corporate. You know, we get a lot of, <laughs> we get a lot of productivity from the entrepreneur yeah. set, though. So Airtable, explain. It's like three-dimensional spreadsheets. Right. Three-dimensional spreadsheets. Yes. What does that look like? Is it like a spinning cube? Yeah. So think of like a spreadsheet. Is it like Tron where it's like a spinning cube thing? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of kids, my, my, my the son. The VR gloves and stuff exactly. to use it? I have to wear like VR headset to actually do the spreadsheet. Yeah. So That's not true. No, it's not. It can't be true. Because it was sounding really great for a moment there. <laughs> I missed yours. What was your app? ClassPass. I was talking about ClassPass as a so fitness app. Oh, that sounds, totally cool. that sounds way cooler. That sounds way cooler. Actually, the coolest one Matt wins yeah. for his because it was radio with five O's. Uh -huh. Radio. And you put in a country and a decade, and then it streams music. That is really cool. Matt, I'm downloading that after the show. Mm -hmm. You can Maybe download it in the show. We have Wi-Fi. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, But actually, Kara, talking about ClassPass, makes a lot of sense. She is the traveling dietitian on social media. And 
Her company, Uplift Food, is using the force and science of prebiotics and gut health to support and enhance different moods for people. Functional food is really at the forefront right now of food innovation and food tech. And it means a lot of different things, I think, to different people. Often when we hear functional food, I think at the baseline, we're thinking about a coffee that's enhanced with protein or a meal replacement beverage or bar. But we've come a long way, I think, since then in a very short period of time. How would you, Michael, describe the functional food space? Because you deal in so many different tech companies and events and things like that. How, do, how does the food tech innovation for functional food sit right now? Well, I, I think the lens through which I view it is just this awareness, particularly among millennials and, and younger, how they are looking to food as a way to um, basically... Uh, they want transparency around food. They want to know what's in it. They also want to supercharge their life through food, in, including ingredients that make them feel better, help them think more clearly. Um, and also you're getting a rising awareness among older folks who want like brain health, et cetera. So yeah. I, that's the lens through which I see it. And so, you know, t- you know, 10 years ago, I, I just remember hearing about uh, things like uh, functional foods and, and just kind of slowly hearing about it. But now I think it's just been supercharged with more people getting interested in how food can be a transportation mechanism for just all sorts of things to help you uh, accentuate and enhance your performance across, uh, you know, health and, and wellness, et cetera. So, Kara, uh, in your profession and then in your point of view, you know, I was thinking about prebiotic and probiotic. We've been hearing so much about those. Everyone, you know, kombucha, yogurt, kimchi. Prebiotics, probiotics many of the things that functional foods are utilizing in the human body, that's sort of like human biotech, isn't it? I guess so. I mean, those, these different sort of delivery systems and processes actually already exist in the human body. It's just a question of people becoming maybe more aware of them and then harnessing them. Yeah, I think that... Because we didn't invent pre and probiotics. Or gut health. No, definitely didn't. But I think the science is evolving. So when people used to talk about gut health, it was very much solely focused on digestion. And now we're starting to see that gut health is connected to all these other areas. And so the science of what's called psychobiotics, which is really where that functional food aspect comes into it, that's been so-called discovered. But it's always been there. We just didn't know enough about it to be able to then speak so confidently. So I think that gut-brain connection... And that, like I just said, psychobiotics is one key element that is getting a lot of attention. And then that's why probiotics and talking about how it can help with anxiety and and mood has been sort of at the forefront in maybe the supplement type of area. But where I myself and, and Uplift Food as a brand has been trying to push it is to say, well, what about prebiotics in that preventative measure of health fuel what you already have inside you like you were just saying so feed the probiotic that you naturally have there and then ultimately reap the benefits that could be mental health benefits or other any other health benefit that can come from that so before we get to the food tech piece give us a real basic explanation of what we're talking about when you say things like prebiotic prebiotic and gut health 
and all of that. I mean, we hear these words all the time now. We read about them. We're starting to see them in the supermarket aisles. We definitely see them online. I certainly see them all the time at food events and read about them. Mm. So probiotics are the live bacteria that you'll find in your gut. You can find them in other places like on the skin, but for the sake of today, we'll focus on the gut, uh, which is within your digestive tract. Uh, And then prebiotics are the fuel. There are people probably right now at this point, a little bit confused, curious, mildly panicked that they have live bacteria in their gut. Stomach? Yep. Because live bacteria typically means something bad that's going to make you sick or take over, be moldy or something. So they're a good and bad bacteria. And when we are born, we actually already have a, a really nice makeup of probiotics, these good bacteria in our gut and the right balance of good to bad. And what happens is that typically in our Western diet and lifestyle that as you grow up, it all goes to crap. Well, something like that, but I don't want to, I don't want to go so harshly negative, but it's kind of what's happened over the last few decades. And so what we're finding is that by going a bit back to basics and looking at how food can nourish your gut rather than eating all the crap that's been destroying the the good bacteria and that balance of good to bad. uh, And then we know that there's harmful chemicals in like cleaning products and in makeup and things like that that have a negative effect in terms of that balance of good to bad. Uh, the focus, you know, in my mind, what I always want to try to recommend to people is fuel the probiotics that you have inside you with these prebiotics, keep that good to bad balance in the right balance and ultimately having that diversity. It's a word that doesn't get spoken about enough, but that's really what it's about. It's about having a range of different probiotics in your gut. You can then strengthen your immune system. You can have all these other health benefits associated with reducing inflammation and that goes on to all the different lifestyle diseases, including mental health. So... You're born with probiotics in your stomach, in your body, and that's probably the first and last time your body's perfectly balanced in your gut biome. (laughs) And then as you eat solid food and go out into the world, good bacteria, bad bacteria, and then the balance probably is not... That doesn't maintain. So then a prebiotic is food that you eat that is food for the probiotics. So for the bacteria, is both good and bad? It's an interesting comment. So prebiotics can feed both good and bad. Uh, There are some types of prebiotics that know how to selectively fuel only the good probiotics. Ah, Okay, Uh, selective. Yeah, so they're my absolute favourite. Like a really snotty restaurant. (laughs) Well, they that do will their job very well. <laughs> <laughs> Super exclusive. Yeah. Committed. So, and they're the ones that people don't get any of the negative side effects of, you know, when they feel a bit of gargling in your tummy because you've had too many of these different types of fibers, as an example. That might be some of the bad bacteria are also feeding off that food. But if you fuel them with just the, the ones that know how to feed the good bacteria, you end up strengthening them and they keep flourishing and growing and you don't feed the bad ones. We also can ingest and eat probiotics also, correct? Because you can find probiotics in food and in other edible things. Is that correct? (laughs) So that's another interesting one. So foods can have 
probiotics in them, but not necessarily have a probiotic benefit to you. So as oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So things like you know, is you that know, because it's not a human probiotic or active activated or usable by the human body, or is it specific to different people or? So sometimes you f- when foods are fermented, there are pro- there's bacteria it's in like there. yogurt, kombucha, kimchi. Mm. Yeah, okay. so mm-hmm. you can ferment. There can be enough probiotics to ferment the food product, but that doesn't mean that they're going to have a pro. By the time that food gets to your gut, it doesn't mean all those probiotics were there in. Uh, there wasn't enough of them, or they didn't necessarily make their way through your acidic stomach, your gut, to then actually latch on and be able to have that probiotic benefit. Okay, so the fact that something has these live probiotic bacteria and live cultures in it does not mean they will survive to get to where they need to go. Correct. Do we know what the chances of survival are or what's marketing and what's real? I think I see Matt peeking into the booth. Are you particularly are you interested I, I, in this? I'm very interested in this because I've always been deeply skeptical that the idea that you ate a culture of any kind of bacteria that it could survive and make a meaningful impact. In survive the digestive system because yeah. it's fairly yeah. brutal. Yeah, well, and also that is teeming with life already. So there's a couple things. Uh, Do you want to come into the studio, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd rather speak like the voice of God prebi- out here. Okay. Does the okay. prebiotic then, the, the one that feeds the probiotics in your gut, is that a better mechanism well, to Matt's point? Prebiotics right. aren't live. Right. So they are they, food. They can make their way yep. through our gut and then they, they, we don't digest them and the probiotics can use them. So let's get back, before we get to that, though, let's get back to how do we know, can we know, do we know which probiotics, which which external live bacteria can make it all the way to the the gut biodome? So uh, (laughs) basically, most foods that are fermented, fermented foods are good for you. We just don't know individual to individual how many of them will have what probiotic effect on you. So then it people shift to supplements where some have gone through clinical studies to prove their effectiveness. Uh, And then when it comes to food products, uh, what I would usually say is there's particular types of probiotics that are called spore formers. Uh, And so they're a probiotic that, well, they're a spore that basically it's, I'm going to use sciencey words, but they are dormant. Because Uh, you haven't used science words up (laughs) until this point. I've been trying to. It's all science. No, it's good. This is a tech show. It's okay. Okay. So, uh, Spore formers, they are dormant when they're at sort of when they're in the real world. And then when they go into your stomach, when the environment is right, the temperature is right, that's when they actually come out of, they turn into the spore that can then have the probiotic benefit. So they will be, sometimes you'll see a food product that has been enhanced with, uh, they'll say, 1 billion CFU, which is a colony-forming unit uh, of a particular... Colony-forming mm, unit. Correct, Okay. Yes. And uh, that that's just a measurement. Uh, and so there may, that may come from a spore former, and that, would, that has been proven typically uh, to have a probiotic benefit to you. And that's when a, comp- a food company would actually legally be allowed to make a claim that their product is good for gut health or... 
So what types of products do those usually exist in? And now I'm wondering, and to Matt's question, Matt, do you want to throw out some foods that you're particularly curious about or suspect or dubious of? Uh, no, but I, no, because I haven't thought about this in a while. But this, this is like uh, back when I lived in California and this was more hip. I was just like, oh, I don't believe that any of this is helping you people. But all right, fine. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yogurts, uh, various, uh, who knows? So with yogurts, uh, we know that the probiotics in yogurts are transient, meaning you need to consume it every day to reap the benefits of the probiotics. They don't actually latch onto your stomach as opposed to, I pronounce it kefir, as do the Russians, but in America people say kefir. 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 That's right. It's the yogurt drink. Yes. um, That we know that the probiotics in there are not transient. And so you can consume them and then they start to flourish in your gut and repopulate. So I find that a lot of, anecdotally, a lot of people that add that into their diet really feel, they actually feel the benefits. And what about kombucha and kimchi? I mean, let's just cover some of the top, Mm. you know, some of the top. Yeah. So it's always an interesting watching, especially in like the natural product news, you see this sort of battle between naturally fermented and old school way of fermenting versus sort of the companies that add supplement it with a probiotic uh, into the products to make the claims. And look, I I was on a recent podcast with a number of uh, experts in this niche area. And the one thing we could all agree on was that just because a product is fermented does not mean that it has that probiotic benefit. So that was pretty much speaking to what you just said. Hmm. What's interesting is this area seems to have gotten interest from investors. Yes. I think you've gotten an, an investment. So how would you Correct. characterize like this space? Because it has kind of gotten some heat, but mm. also there are people who are skeptical. Like, to and, th- and then there are people who are totally on the bandwagon. When Karen and I were on the phone talking about this, I was mentioned that I've been to many of the tech headquarters in New York City, the big tech companies that are famous for their employee cafeterias and things like that. And they have kombucha on tap. And I Next to the cold brew coffee and the beer. Yeah. Yes. Have you seen the sign that warns them against consuming like over, I don't know, a half a gallon of kombucha a day in a WeWork? It is amazing. <laughs> Does the alcohol content start to add up at that point? Uh, well, I think that's just not good for your stomach. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll just, I'll preface everything by saying... I think that drinking most of the kombuchas available is still a far healthier beverage than a lot of the sugary sodas that are out there. So I try and look for the kombucha that doesn't have sugar added to it because many of yeah. them do. And then to me, that just seems like it's defeating my healthy purpose. Yeah, the the probiotics should be able to ferment some of the... Sh- they need the sugars there to ferment mm-hmm. them in order to create the kombucha. So I would say that you don't need one with added sugar. Uh, right. Exactly. Right. Uh, so... There was multiple questions that came my way. <laughs> so we're just throwing them out. Yeah, here. I know. It's it's kind of exciting because it's it's food tech and food innovation that is actually producing foods to work with body tech, which is not new. Yeah. It's been around. I mean, you have the probiotics when you're born. But it's just sort of the discovery of that or the awareness of that that people are really getting to. It's so interesting because yeah. no one's making up a new digestive system. <laughs> you the know? science has come so far. What I'm curious but about maybe is... But that, maybe that is coming. Yeah. I'm curious about, do we know, can we monitor what's in our own microbiome, what's in our gut? And in, 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 
at all, or it, is that coming? It's, that's coming. That's coming. That's coming. Okay. There's a there's Where another show that? that you should listen okay. to. So the personalization is certainly an area that the investors are very much focused mm-hmm. on, and I think that that'll be incredible once that's really worked out. Uh, but I know, I mean, it, it seems to be a conflicting area, but I know many gastroenterologists and, and doctors that specialise in this that would fight that we don't know the perfect makeup of gut bacteria for, for everyone. And hence, if someone tries to say you need this specific, you know, you're, you're too low in this probiotic and you're too high in this, you'd say, what are you basing that off? Like generalisations of population yep. studies because we don't know that's specific for you. Are there archetypes, right? So like certain kind of microbiome makeup, probiotic makeup that is good for a certain type of person? I do think that there is, that there's definitely studies going on to, and to look into history of, you know, based on geography of where people are from. And, but, but I still think that when it comes down to it, we're all individuals. And so again, like that's where I guess I shifted from trying to recommend a probiotic and rather said, eat probiotic rich foods and then nourish yourself with the prebiotics because your body will cal- will almost calibrate like it'll feed mm. what you've got. Well, we are going to take a quick break and to find out which amazing company is feeding the HRN fund. Did you know we're a 501c3 nonprofit and we keep the lights on and the mics hot entirely? out of the generosity of our members who are listeners like you, grants, and amazing companies like this one. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Located in New York's Finger Lakes region, Ithaca boasts an authentic craft beverage experience tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation. As the saying goes, Ithaca is gorgeous. The city is home to 150 waterfalls and gorges sprinkled through its downtown and sloping hillsides. State parks and acres of natural lands offer outdoor recreation for every level of enthusiast. Come stroll among the cool ravines, scenic hiking trails, and natural vistas. Ithaca is home to Ivy League Cornell University and Ithaca College, resulting in an influx of new cultures, new tastes, and new energy every year. There's so much to explore, from art galleries and museums to unique attractions like the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Ithaca sits at the heart of a blossoming heritage and craft cider industry. Some of these delicious ciders can be bought in market, but many of the most unique varieties can only be experienced with a visit to Ithaca and this great cider region. Go to visitithaca.com to get inspired and plan your trip today. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. Are you a startup founder? Do you have an amazing food product or an amazing piece of restaurant tech or software? Are you looking for funding? We are putting together a live pitch show on Tech Bytes. Two very lucky companies will have the opportunity to pitch Josh Siegel, who is managing partner of Rubicon Venture Capital, to get some money. Yep, money. 
giving away money. Maybe. Maybe giving away money to two companies, one that's a food product, one that's restaurant tech or software. We're looking for late seed companies doing about a million dollars in revenue. You can be located anywhere, but the founders need to be in studio in Brooklyn for the live broadcast. If you are a founder or a partner or an investor and you think you are one of the lucky companies, send us your deck to techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. So today we are talking about functional food. We're talking about food innovation. We are with Carol Landau, who is the founder of Uplift Food, and Michael Wolf, who is the publisher of The Spoon, which is a nifty little newsletter, event, tech, media platform from Seattle. Yeah. Mike just came from the airport. Literally. Literally from the airport. Yeah, Thank you very my much. Arms <laughs> But I'm bummed. Yeah. And we're talking about Kara's Uplift Food, which is an interesting uh, food product in that it is prebiotics for gut health to potentially support your, it's called support mood benefits is the language that you use. And I'm assuming that that's very particularly worded because of different claims and things like that. We spent the first half of the show trying to unpack what probiotics are, how prebiotics feed them, the gut biome. Basically, you were born perfect, and now it's terrible, so get with the program. And maybe all those probiotic foods aren't as great as you think they are. Right? (laughs) Right, Matt? Bear of bad news. (laughs) He's nodding vigorously. So now, Kara, tell us specifically about Uplift Food, and tell us how we get from prebiotic to mood. Sure. So Uplift Food is a brand that is on a mission to educate people that by nourishing your gut health, you can ultimately be your happiest self. And that's really focused around when you... That's a very big promise. Yeah, I'm on, I'm happy, on a mission. Happiest self sounds very complicated. Which is why I think that we can't control everything in life, but if we can at least make sure that our body internally, physiologically is working in our favour, then at least you remove one of the aspects because sometimes people's hormones are going all over the shop. And if you can, if you can try to nourish your gut, where when we consume prebiotics, the probiotics in our gut ferment them and the byproducts are able to stimulate the release of serotonin which is your mood calming hormone. Uh, Serotonin is about 95% of our serotonin is found in our gut. I did not know that. I think of serotonin as being in the brain. Yeah. That's right. So it's found in the gut and it's stimulated and then goes between our gut and our brain are directly connected. Uh, There's something called a vagus nerve and that connects our gut to our brain. Uh, And then we also know that things like anxiety and depression are no longer just a hormonal imbalance but they can be a result of inflammation in the body and inflammation to the brain and when we have a healthy gut we're able to reduce inflammation to our brain so through both of those mechanisms the focus of uplift is to help people get more prebiotics in really convenient and tasty ways into their diets because back in paleolithic days people were consuming around 135 grams of a particular type of prebiotic, which now we're led to believe that people consume about five to 10 grams of that. So just as an example. So 135 grams of prebiotics daily Correct. for paleo, yeah. period, not diet, Yeah. Well, but it, the actual period. Yes, so yes. Ancient human beings to 
25 grams no, today? No, less. Five like grams five, today. Five grams. Five like grams. That. So what are prebiotics? So what were the paleos eating? So they were eating uh, prebiotics in the form of a natural source of inulin, which was in what's called tubers, uh, which is kind of a root vegetable. Hmm. Uh, you'll see now in Greek... like a sun choke or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, in, we call them Jerusalem artichokes. Okay. And in mm-hmm. America, I believe they're called sun chokes. Very good. Uh, and otherwise... So paleos were bougie. Uh, now you know a food that promotes itself to do with this as a tuber is uh tiger nuts so you Mm. might have seen tiger nuts they're they're not a nut (laughs) they are that that was going to be my first question yeah they are particularly chewy like if someone tries to bite into one uh, it'll be a new feeling uh but you can get it ground down into a flour and use it, uh, you can either mix them into, mix it a little bit into a smoothie uh, or you can add it into, I would suggest, raw desserts because when you cook this, you actually lose some of the prebiotics. That's a raw dessert. So people make, I mean, we're going bougie here, people mm-hmm. make raw vegan cakes and yes, bliss okay, balls and it. things like got that. It. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But there are more readily available uh, sources, which I guess would be easier for people to stomach. Like? Like asparagus, onion, oh, yes. garlic. Easy. Any kind of onion? Yeah, I, I think people should just get some onions into their diet. Any kind of onion and all thing and raw, not cooked? Raw is better, but so you raw will asparagus, still get... raw asparagus, raw onion, raw garlic. You will still get some of the soluble prebiotic mm-hmm. fibres. Sounds a lot easier to manage than tiger nut Ta- powder. You you know, for people that make smoothies, it's super simple because you just right. would add a tiger. You got to find the tiger nut first. Is that a common supplement? That is available in, like, look at New York. People we quite have spoiled. everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. You can Not order a... it online in okay. the US. Yeah, uh, and that, my favorite source of prebiotics, which is in the, a form that selectively fuels the good probiotics, is in green banana flour. So that's from an unripe banana, and like a, a, a unripe banana, not a plantain. Yeah, that would be the best source. Uh, So you will find now, I guess it gets a little bit, where it gets a little bit murky is that people will market a green banana flour as a baking powder alternative uh, and they'll say it's grain free and that it's a prebiotic. But once you bake with that green banana flour. It's no longer prebiotic. It no longer has the specific type of prebiotic. So we're going back to the raw dessert. Correct. Uh, Or the smoothie. The smoothie, yeah. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. So, Mike, in your travels and writing and in your spoon tech world, how big is the news of the functional foods? And then how much talk about gut biome health are you hearing? I think that there's focus on microbiome just generally. Um, this is way more detailed than I get. So I I'm, feel like I'm just learning so much and trying to absorb this knowledge. This is our big shot here. Yeah, with the, it's with great. With the medical um, scientific expert. And I think uh, what I'm seeing is just people trying to craft services around new trends like this, right? Whether that's going to be, hey, we want to deliver to you specific uh, prebiotic, probiotic-oriented menus or or, uh, recommended recipes, or we want to deliver to you, we want to understand what your, maybe something different, like we want to know what your DNA is and, and, and give you a specific meal kit oriented around that. So I'm just seeing a lot of trends where people are, uh, at least I'm focusing on services and companies trying to build around new trends like this and, and create food services and delivery services around them. Interesting. 
When you do your research in your competition set for your products, is it is the field very large? Are there just two other companies? Are there bunches? And then I would also assume that there's a whole, as, as in with all supplement vitamin industries, there's probably better ones, less, but less good ones, things that have been tested and verified, things that haven't. Yeah, so when it comes to looking, so Uplift kind of is currently in the supplement space, but shifting into the functional snacking space. So in the... Snack with purpose. That's right. So the, in the supplement space, there's certainly gut health focused pre and probiotic products. Uh, as you alluded to, you, there are products that promote that they've got prebiotics in them, but then they've only got one gram of, of an inulin or a soluble corn fiber or something that that's not going to give you the benefits of the prebiotic as much as you need in order to really have that that effect that I'm talking about. So it sort of seems a bit more of a gimmick. Uh, whereas in the food space or the functional snacking space where I'm going, uh, there's sort of a bit of a joke that I, that I personally am at the bleeding edge and I keep saying, no, it's going to be the cutting edge because it's taking a while to get there. Uh, but it's certainly an I feel like quite an open space. We can see that the launch of new products that have prebiotics in them is just going skyrocketing, but it's still the percentage of prebiotic focused products versus probiotic products is so minimal uh, that it's a very exciting space to be in. And from in my mind, watching a lot of the big multinationals going after this space uh, implies to me that even though I didn't have the five years of consumer research groups that they've been doing and looking at all the data from Nielsen and everywhere else, that uh, what my gut was telling me that literally, literally that it was the space to go into uh, is being you know confirmed via these big companies wanting to enter into that space as well. Well, to your to your focus point earlier, Michael, that you mentioned about people looking to really personalize things, we did a show in April uh, with Victor Penoff of Edam, Edamam, yep. and we talked a lot about wearable technology and wearable technology that can take a snapshot of your current biological state and condition that can then instantaneously tell you what you need to eat right now. And that's everything from a dietary composition to pre-probiotics or vitamins and minerals. And so for him, he thought that that is really the interesting thing that's on the horizon and actually thinks that we have all of the technology pieces. It's the bringing them together to function simultaneously that will take another few years. Right. I think doing that, but also doing it responsibly because, you know, we're in this era now where, you know, all this data around my personal health makeup, et cetera, just goes out into the wild. What does that mean? So do we need standardization or whatever? But we're definitely moving from what I would characterize as wearable 1.0 or 2.0, where it's just measuring how many steps I took to run here from the airport and what my heart rate is Mm -hmm. to understanding, you know, what actually my body, you know, what's happening in my body. Mm -hmm. What is, do I have high blood sugar or whatever? That's where we're moving. And whether that's with uh, Apple Kit, uh, uh, Health Kit, and Apple Watch to these other frameworks, the pieces, like to Victor's point, are coming together. I just think that um, we're also going to see a little bit of pushback and friction just because I think people are getting more and more concerned about privacy. And what's more personal than your health data, right? Is, so. there, that much, is there really a lot of pushback on the um, genetic testing? I mean, to me, that's just crazy. 
I think there is among uh, consumer advocacy groups. I mean, in Silicon Valley, not not as much. Or the general public. Yeah. I mean, oh, people well. are giving them to each other as gifts. I, th- I mean, just anecdotally, I, I know a lot of people just say, no way I'm putting my data and, I'm, and my I'm DNA out into the cloud. I'm one of those so. people. I, w- I listened to the New York Times podcast, The Daily, and there was a podcast, oh, maybe two years ago, a year ago, about... Um, a police department using DNA from one of the DNA testing yeah, companies yeah, yeah. that let that had, I think, a cousin of a killer. Yeah. And they tracked the killer vis-a-vis the information of the cousin because it was a partial match yeah. and on I the think DNA it, test. It was and in that's finally gone to court. I think, I think it was in Washington State. Um, out west somewhere? Yeah, it's out west. Um, there's a whole bunch of cold cases that are getting cracked because of this. these... Tw- people's DNA are out into the wild and into these services. Mm-hmm. But I think they're, they're, we're testing it in court now. I think the first one just went to court and seeing if it'll hold up. But I think it's really fascinating. So. Uh, I worked with a, it was called Nutrigenomics. So looking at how, looking at your gene, your genetic test results and then trying to craft a diet around that to support people. Uh, I worked on that five, six years ago. It was back in Australia and no more now. Wow. It was eight years ago. Uh, and, and people were always quite nervous that once you get those results, that a health insurer will use that against you, Ah, you know, that it'll then make your premiums higher. Especially in this country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess it's a global concern that, so it was a kind of a different concern, I, I guess is what I'm saying. That's interesting. That, which would then put people off wanting to get involved. Wow. We could spend another hour going off on the uh, biological Big Brother tangent, (laughs) but we are out of time. So before everyone goes, I will ask, uh, Kara, you know, you're already in the innovation food space. What are you innovating now that you're able to talk to us about? What do you see for Uplift Food in the next six months or the next year or two years? So Uplift Food is certainly, as I, as I said before, going to be shifting into the functional snacking category, that grab-and-go uh, space. And so very much still focusing with the same message around prebiotics and nourishing your gut to support your mood. Uh, so we, we actually had a, a pilot trial today, uh, which Exciting. has been very challenging to say the least. Uh, that's for, why you have pilots. That's right. <laughs> it's been for the last month. We uh, had a pilot for this show back in 2014. <laughs> So, yeah, so we're getting there, but the goal is to launch a new range uh, at Expo East in Baltimore in September. And and then I think it'll be around actually staying quite focused uh, in that snacking category. So not I personally think that it's better to do something and do something really well than to spread the brand too thin at this early stage. Uh, and then once the brand is solidly there, then it can sort of it could go out into all different categories. I think as the world moves forward, we can see, you know, I think shot little shots had their sort of had their phase and mm. maybe they're still there, maybe they're not. But I just think that we can, if you can preempt what's coming next, you know, then you can jump on it. So still very much narrowly staying in the snacking space from here on in. Interesting. And Mike, what do you, what do you see trending in the functional food space? Uh, I just, see the direct to consumer models really exploding and I think that's providing an avenue for for folks like yourself mm. um, establishing a brand and not having to rely on you know big food whether it's you know <laughs> these big brands we're so familiar with 
and, and just allowing consumers to know about you and have that relationship. So um, I don't know if I'm seeing a particular trend that I because I don't know, I don't follow it as closely, but I just think just the direct-to-consumer explosion, I think, is something that I think is going to tie in very closely to what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of direct-to-consumer explosion, if you want to find Uplift Food online, they are at upliftfood.com. At Uplift Food is the social handles. If you want to follow Kara, she is at Traveling Dietitian. If you want to see what is happening really in the future of food, you can go to the Smart Kitchen Summit. Uh, Michael created the event. It will be happening in Seattle in October from the 7th to the 8th. You can get a 25% discount if you use Tech Bytes. It's going to be a very, that's an amazing panel. I would encourage you to check it out online. You can find all of the information at thespoon.tech and you can find The Spoon on social media at thespoontech. I want to thank Kara and Mike for coming onto the show. Some from close, some from far, but thank you for finally coming on. Thank you. We enjoyed having you. Tech Bytes is broadcast live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, your host and producer. Matt Patterson is our engineer. Our theme song, Nomad a CPU Track, is by DJ Uptown Nico. You can find us on social media at TechBytesHRN and on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.